Welcome to the Sovereignty Sessions, where we explore topics such as personal authority, autonomy, and spirituality. I am your host, Cameron, the Redbird Who Sings. I am a farmer, medicine maker, and advocate for personal power. To follow my work, purchase my herbal preparations, or work one-on-one with me, visit redbirdmedicinals.com. Welcome back to another episode of Sovereignty Sessions. Tonight I am recording from my living room where my wood stove is at because I feel like being cozy and so here I am all cuddled up down here. Tonight what I want to talk about is the path to sovereignty and I've talked a lot about spiritual sovereignty and um, kind of the the psychological um, ways that we can tap into our own own sovereignty. But tonight I want to be more practical and talk more about the actual steps to take to get to sovereignty in the physical material world as well as the spiritual um, internal world. So I'm going to pretty much just be laying out my path um, that I have been on now for quite some time. I guess, you know, most of my life, I'm 38 now, so I guess I've really always been on this path to finding my own personal power and my own um, my own sovereignty and being my own authority. I never was somebody who really respected outside authority or found any value in it. Um, definitely didn't find any value in it. So this is kind of the steps that I took and they were, it was a natural progression and this is just the way it unfolded for me. And so maybe it will be of um, service to you as you're walking through your path. And it's an option. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying at all to follow this path, but these I've kind of, um, figured out all the elements that as I see it that a person needs to really step fully into their own sovereignty in the world today as it is. So um, the first place that I want to start is going to be with health and the body and medical care um, prevention all of these things. So this is this is kind of where my story begins really to Um, unfold and so but I'll have to first back up and explain a little bit how I was raised so I grew up in a rural um, town in Oklahoma I was around a lot of people who just knew how to fix things how to do things that was always something that I just thought was inherent everybody knew how to do that we didn't pay somebody to come and fix our roof or fix a leaky faucet or anything like that or fix a car there was always just men around who knew how to do this stuff and I was always around women who knew how to really masterfully uh, utilize the kitchen and how to create amazing things with food and also really creative artistic people I would say that everyone in my family 
for the most part, maybe not everybody, but the majority of people in my family really are truly artists, whether they call themselves or not. Now that's a different story, but they were always building things and um, just creating really beautiful stuff. And so I grew up around that. And as a kid, you know, I got to spend tons of time outside with just friends. All of our parents were at work. So after school, we just spent all of our time outside doing whatever we pleased. And one of the things that my best friend and I were really into was building these amazing um, forts. And like, they were more than forts, really, we called them forts, but they were really dwelling places. (laughs) They were places that a person could live. And so we started out um, you know, just building these when we were friends our whole life. So we started out when we were young, just building, um, forts in between chairs in the living room under with blankets or whatever, but we would always make these elaborate forts. Even when it was just pillows and blankets, they were always decked out. And then we moved up to building forts in the woods behind my parents' house. And we would take all kinds of stuff from from our parents' house to to put in these forts. So we always had water and a really nice kitchen area, and we always had a toilet. That was the big thing. We always had to have a toilet in these in these forts. And then we moved on to building forts in existing structures. So we had this giant playground with somebody tried to build for us a an actual cabin on top of the playground, totally unsafe. It was like two stories high in the air, but they didn't finish it. So it was just the frame. So we took this existing frame and we really decked it out and we made water run from the top level down to the lower level through this pipe. And you would just pull a string and a bucket would dump water down the pipe to where the bathroom was at. So you could wash your hands. Like, you know, we were like 10 or 12 years old. So this was like a really cool thing for us to to, to do. And so we were always just doing stuff like this. And, um, so that's kind of my background of that. I was always really interested in how I could do it myself. And I always saw people doing it themselves, everything themselves. And also I had this natural tendency to work with the earth for medicine. And even when I was a kid, I would pick plants and eat them. And I never would take medications or anything like that. It was always a fight for my mom to get me to take any kind of um, you know, cough syrup or anything like that. I just didn't want to do it. So I always just had this feeling like my body was going to take care of itself. I always felt like that I could, um, create whatever I wanted to create in the world, like physically. And so money was never involved in any of this stuff. We just always scrounged and and scavenged whatever we could find to create these things. And they were awesome. So, um, so that's where, my background is. And so fast forward to when I was 17 years old, I was having a really big issue with um, not being able to sleep. I had always had sleep problems. And so finally, I just something hit me. It was like this message came to me of uh, stop drinking Mountain Dew, <laughs> you know, cause I just grew up on this standard American diet. So I was like, okay, I'm going to stop drinking caffeine. I had no, I have no idea. Maybe I read it in a magazine or something. I had no idea where that came from because everybody in my family was drinking soda and, and, you know, it wasn't like, I didn't like the taste of water. I literally didn't drink water. And so I got this idea that that's what I was going to do. I'm just going to give up soda. And so I did, I just stopped drinking it. And 
interesting thing that happened was my acne cleared up and I basically kind of became like a narcoleptic not literally but I would just fall asleep anywhere I would be at a party with friends and I would just curl up on the couch and fall asleep and I mean anywhere and that had never happened to me before I had never experienced this ease in falling asleep so then I was hooked I was like oh okay cool like this was something natural that I did and it was pretty easy and here I, I don't remember struggling at all with giving up soda I just decided to do it and I did it and so it was pretty magical and so from then on I just kind of had it in my mind that you know I was just gonna this is what I was gonna do I was gonna live naturally and so that went in stages and so the next stage was and I'll also say that as a teenager I tried several times to become a vegetarian and that doesn't really work out well when you don't eat any vegetables. So you can't really survive too well on canned green beans and corn, which is all I really ate. So it was really hard. But for some reason, I had this strong desire. I just didn't like meat. I didn't want to eat it. And so I became like the kind of on and off vegetarian as a teenager where I would eat potatoes and cheese and all that stuff, you know, Velveeta and all that. But I just wouldn't eat the meat. And it didn't ever last very long, obviously, because I wasn't getting any nutrition. And in my family, Family, the meat pretty much came from my dad hunting and fishing and so we had really good quality meat um, to eat so and I think that the reason that I wanted to not eat meat anymore was because I started at a young age I started to have this connection with my dad hunting and fishing I watched him butcher the animals or skin and clean the fish and then it would be on the dinner table that night or the next night and it's kind of funny now because that's where I'm at in my life. But back then it was really hard for me. And, and it still is really actually hard for me to, um, I, I, I can't compartmentalize these things. And so it was a big challenge for me as a young girl to eat this, eat these animals that my dad had caught. I just have always been really empathic and always a really, um, feeling person emotional I guess you would say and so there was just this strong connection to these animals and I didn't want to eat them <laughs> so fast forward to when I was 19 years old I was in a relationship with somebody and I was cutting up the um, we were cooking dinner and I was cutting up the or maybe I was 20 I'm not for sure somewhere around there I was cutting up some chicken just grocery store chicken and I got really grossed out by cutting up this raw chicken and so I asked my partner at the time if he would cut it up and he started cutting it up and he said I can't ever eat meat again and I was like okay cool like I can do that that's what I've been wanting to do but I just needed somebody to do it with me so then we got on this thing of removing meat from our diet which basically meant we ate macaroni and cheese and potatoes you know it was like not a healthy healthy diet at all and so that went on for a few years and finally I think I was around 21 or 22 I was given this book eat right for your blood type and there were so many different foods in there that I never heard of. I'd never heard of quinoa or um, like nobody in my family ate salmon, you know, all this, it seemed so fancy to me. And so I just didn't know what any of this stuff was. And so I kind of went on this food adventure and started eating recipes from that book and just trying different foods. And um, I really enjoyed that. And I lost like 30 pounds. I mean, I was pretty overweight at this point for my body type. And so I lost about 30 pounds. 
And I was like, hey, there's some incentive, you know, I was feeling really uncomfortable in my body from just eating all these starches. And I wasn't feeling healthy. Obviously, I was not um, comfortable moving around. And I wasn't, you know, my blood sugar wasn't doing well. And so it was, I really was feeling a lot better when I started eating vegetables as a vegetarian. And I just I didn't do the fish or any of that stuff. And so on that went for years. And through that path, I got into um, uh, natural medicine. So I was having some health issues. I a friend of mine went to this actually was when I was 17. I was living with um, a friend and her family. And the dad was sick. He had, uh, I think he had like kidney cancer or something that turned out to be more serious, but he just thought he was having issues with his kidneys. And so he went to this Cherokee medicine woman and they were Cherokee. I am a mixed blood Cherokee. And, um, so he had gone to her and found a lot of relief from the things that she suggested. So I just always remembered her. And so years later when I was like 21 or 22, I started going to this woman this medicine woman and she introduced me to herbs and she had like an herb store or something of that nature and so she would just do these free readings on you and then tell you what you needed and it was really amazing like she didn't talk or anything she just looked into your eyes did the iridology and then she wrote down a list of stuff that you needed and then you could either buy it there at the store or leave there was no pressure or anything like that and so that's how I started. And so it was all supple- herbal supplements, everything in capsule form. I didn't know what any of the stuff was, um, but that's how I got started. And I was taking, in those beginning days, I was taking so many capsules of herbs. It was just kind of ridiculous. So on I went down that path. I, my diet got even more strict. I was doing the raw food thing. I tried to do the vegan thing, but I couldn't give up cheese. And looking back now, I realized because that is basically what was keeping me alive was the cheese. So that path lasted for several years. And then probably three or four years after I started doing the um, the herbs with this medicine woman, I started really getting into my own studies of herbalism and natural health care. And so I started experimenting on myself of stuff that I could um, do for myself plant medicine that I could use and it started with simple things like garlic and ginger and you know stuff that you can find at the grocery store and then I started buying some herbs from some places around town and then on that went and before I knew it I was foraging all my herbs and now here I am growing or foraging on my land all of my own plants so the reason that I feel that herbalism and this, these natural health care things, I mean, it really, I, it's not other natural health care modalities. It really is herbalism. And the reason that I believe that, that is, it is such an important part of being sovereign is because you really start to know your body and you take in to your body medicines like right now I get all of my medicine from the land that I live on either I cultivate it or I wild forage it and every now and then I'll go outside of this property and I'll forage in other places but for the most part I mean like 99.9% of everything that I use for medicine is coming from this property and so you really get to know yourself in a deep way and how your body works you get to know plants in such a deep way and you get to know your your bioregion in such a deep way and so 
that is a really huge piece of being sovereign because when we get to know the land that we live on and we see ourselves reflected in that relationship you really I mean you start to see all of your flaws and how they show up in in the 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 world at large by your interactions or through your interactions with the plant world so in the beginning when I would go out and forage for food I would or forage for medicine I would go out and just kind of take things and not even think twice about it and then it started to get like oh well I have this relationship with this plant now so uh, maybe I should be like asking or maybe there should be a different protocol here and what I started to realize is that if I would be harvesting from one spot and I over harvested and I went back there the next year or the next cycle then maybe there wouldn't be enough of that plant and so in that way I really learned about harvesting ethics and um, I feel like that everybody should that is practicing herbalism and harvesting their own medicine that they should harvest or cultivate it on the property that they live on even if it's just like a small city lot or maybe it's a park if you live down the street it's a park that you go to often down the way just harvesting from some place that is a place that you return to over and over because you're going to see the impact that you have on the environment and you're going to build a relationship with that land so that you're going to know I mean the land is going to start to talk to you that's just it's going to start it's going to you're going to start to hear it speaking and you're going to know when you've messed up and you're going to know when you haven't been respectful or whatever so that's really important and just herbalism itself when you can and and I'll say that most of my herbalism is I mean like 98% of the of it is preventative medicine so I don't go to the doctor my family doesn't go to the doctor and I won't go to the doctor I won't personally um in my family it would have to be a pretty serious situation for me to take somebody in my family to a to a doctor it wouldn't be a doctor it'd be a hospital and it'd have to be pretty serious especially now how things are in the world and how hospitals are running right now and where like with my child for example you can't go back into the room with your kids at this point and so like I would have to be a pretty serious situation for me to send my child back there with a bunch of strangers not knowing what they're doing to them so um at this I'm not really willing to go at this point to the to the hospital at all except for dire emergencies so I have to be on point with my preventative health care and so that means we eat or take herbs in medicinal form every single day of our lives and um, I, I have to also be really paying attention to how everybody in my household is doing. So I might see that my daughter has a small itchy patch of skin that not even she's paid attention to, but maybe I saw her itch it once and I, or I see it, you know, and it's scaly. I have to take note of that stuff and I have to deal with it immediately. So in that way, you know, you really do have to step up and take responsibility. And, and that's where I'm at on my journey now. I definitely did not start there. I was going to the doctor still a lot. And it was through relationships with doctors that I was unfulfilled and wasn't really getting what I needed from that, that led me farther and farther down this path of being an herbalist. And so that's the first area that I feel like people have to kind of get on point is the herbalist the, na- the natural medicine the herbalism 
um, to learn to work with plants because these are the original medicine in folklore from my Cherokee um, heritage they say that the plants created that made themselves to be medicine because they loved humans so much and they wanted to help us so they each plant decided that they were going to become a medicine for a certain disease and I really believe that even if you only have one plant that you work with that that plant can be medicine for almost any ailment that you can think of uh, that you might possibly have. And oftentimes the medicine that you need is growing right in your backyard or right where you need it. A good example of this is dandelion. I know people who have come to me as clients and customers and said, they have cancer, for example, or they have a digestive issue, or they have an issue with their liver. And they'll also simultaneously somehow find out that they have dandelion growing all in their yard. And that's the medicine, right? They're, that's the medicine for those things. And we know this because it's been used for eons by human beings and by animals as well. And we also know this because there have been lots of studies on these plants. And so the most common and abundant plants that grow outside offer us the most easy nourishment and medicine and food that that we can find. So just looking right outside your door, making connections to the plants that are growing even in the sidewalks. When I lived in the city, you know, a lot of herbalists will tell you don't forage. If you live in the city, don't forage next to roadways or don't forage here or don't forage there. But my whole thought philosophy on that is if I'm going to be there, living there, then I'm breathing those same particles in the air, the same contamination or whatever it may be. So the plants and I are kind of experiencing the same thing. And plants are really good at creating um, the medicine that's needed against that. So they'll send messages to each other and all start creating a certain chemical that fights off this certain thing. And and that, that medicine works for our bodies as well. So I say if you live in a city, you know, find the cleanest spot you can find. But harvest there and so when I lived in the city I harvested from cracks I harvested between roadways I harvested everywhere so that's the first aspect is medical care and you can take that as far as you want right now I'm at the place where I'm wanting to get um, really good at sewing things up like doing serious medical care and obviously I don't not going to experiment on my family so how I ha, where I've moved into this realm now is started practicing herbalism on the animals on my farm and if there's injuries I treat them myself I've never gotten to sew anybody up but in theory I know how to do this so um, you know, you just learn through books and you learn through experience. And so that's where I'm at on on that part of the path of doing more serious medical procedures. Um, now, I'm not going to ever try to get to a place where I'm taking someone's kidney out or like doing some sort of internal work or whatever. But if I could get to the point where I could stitch up stitch up a wound and and it actually look good <laughs> or even set a broken bone or a dislocated um a dislocated shoulder or, or knee or something like that then I'd be pretty good with that so that's where I'm going as far as this as far as this part of the path goes that's that's my goal um so the next part of this 
sovereignty piece in the in the material world would be food and water so as I went down my path with herbalism I eventually got to obviously I had started with the food but I hadn't really started buying organic stuff yet but the further I got down the road uh, probably five six seven years down the path I started really paying attention to the food quality which is not something I'd done before and that happened slowly over time and even though I tried to force it I thought I'm a bad person I need to eat organic I need to do this but I can't afford it I still just integrated as much as I could going forward the first things I tried to do was make sure that all of my dairy and um, at the time I wasn't eating meat so that didn't matter but I tried to make sure that all my dairy was organic because the dairy has the fat which accumulates all the toxins so I tried to make sure that the dairy was organic and that was highest quality and then I went with the vegetables and all of that that was the next stage and along the path after that I got into water and I really started to get into spring water and that happened because I got into the raw food movement and everybody in the raw food movement at the time this was you know 12 13 years ago or so everybody was really into water and this is the very beginning when Daniel Vitalis started findaspring.org which is a really great website if you haven't ever been there but there's springs now all over the world and back then it was not that many you know there was just a, a couple of springs that were listed and being added to and so I found that website and found there was a spring near me and so I would go to that spring and I would get my water from there I also sometimes would order water from a spring in the next state over that had they had a water delivery service so they would deliver these five gallon glass jars that's when I got into drinking out of glass too so they would deliver these five gallon glass jars to your house kind of like the Culligan system or whatever you know and that's when I got to that so those were really important so having access to things that I could find in the natural world I knew that being closer to nature and and living from the land was the like best that was like the pinnacle the highest point that I could get as a human was to to do that so I knew that I wanted my water to be natural water which is why I never got into like alkaline water or kangen water or any of that stuff I always wanted my water to come from the earth and now people talk about how you know even spring water is contaminated yada 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 it's a choice for you to make but I really know that water from the earth is the best water for me and right now I'm on well water and so um and I, I do filter it through I have a Berkey filter now because we have really hard water and I noticed that it was kind of starting to cause me to have a lot of low back pain which signaled to me that my kidneys were kind of being bombarded so since I've been doing this Berkey filter I have um I have no more low back pain so problem solved but and I could have got a water softener and all that stuff but I'm looking for the most natural of everything that I can do and a water softener while it was just going through um, pumice stone basically is I think what they told us it just I don't like the taste of soft water and also the whole system set up it just adds more um, to the electrical system of our of our existence and I don't really want to have things that are on like plugged into the electrical of the house because we're yeah I'll get into that later but I just don't want to do that so I chose the Berkey system because it's a simple filtration system it's effective and it doesn't take out all the minerals it just kind of takes out some of the calcium so it's not as 
as strong. So the food and water and, and the foraging as well, this came along with the, with starting to foraging, forage the medicine is I started foraging for food as well. And so it just slowly grew. All of this slowly grew. So that is the whole piece for the body and really how everything for my body, bodily care came into, um, came came online for me to be on this path to sovereignty I do want to go back and say that I do believe I know that we are each born sovereign in this world and so really all of this stuff for me I just see it as a remembering remembering who I am remembering who I came into this world as and so it really is just a path back to myself all of this this whole path to sovereignty has been a path back to myself and, you know, I can say that I'm a completely different person than I was when I was 15, 16 years old, and I'm more of myself every day. And so it's just a really fascinating path to be on. So the health care, the body care, you know, taking care of our physical vessel is really important. If we can get all of those aspects, our food, water, and medicine thing together, then that's a huge piece. I mean, that's so much of our life is devoted to food, water, medicine. So if we can take care of that naturally, we're pretty much, we're almost untouchable at that point. We're almost untouchable by the system. And this is where I'm at in my life now of, you know, I've gone through all of this stuff and I really, what I have realized through this whole 2020 meltdown of the world is having is that I really have become almost untouchable. There's a few other pieces that I'm going to talk about that I'm I'm trying to get online, but it's I'm I'm really almost untouchable. It hasn't affected my life at all uh, in a negative way. It's affected it in making all these positive changes happen, which is great. So, you know, you can have this too. It's just figuring out where you need to shore things up and and where you need to go to to get in line with the natural world because as a, at a young age I just always knew that I was provided for by the earth the earth was what provided for me period like that was innate in me that the earth provided for me I don't know if that's because my dad was a hunter I don't know if it was because I was outside all the time I don't know why I know that I just know that I knew it <laughs> from the get-go I knew that the earth provided for me so I realized really quickly on when I was probably 16 or 15 or 16 that there were two ways to get rich in this world and one was to work really hard and buy the things you need and have lots of money to do what you wanted the other was to require less and the require less route is the route that I took and by doing this I went more deeply into knowing myself and what my needs actually were and then then I became to to live in this place where I'm at now which is what are my desires what do I really want and so I'm getting into this level of um, financial abundance where I could buy everything that I needed but I don't really want to is what I'm finding because I'd rather make stuff myself and I'd rather make all my food from scratch I don't want to eat at a restaurant I don't want to go out and buy all the things that I need um, to, to make things happen quicker you know like I want a sauna right now that's one of my big dreams is I want to have a, a steam sauna and I could go out and buy one for five thousand dollars and I could do that right now but 
I want to build a steam sauna. Like I want to build it, you know? So that's what that gave me this whole aspect of getting closer to the earth. It gave me this resilience in this way. And I really want to be able to have these skills and to pass them on to my children because I think that they're really important skills for living on this earth. And so many people that I see have no idea where their food comes from. I used to be a teacher and I taught yoga in public schools. And one of the my co-teachers asked her kids to, to get in a shape like a turkey, you know, like gobble, gobble. And they got on their backs and crossed their legs across their chest like a butterball, <laughs> like a butterball turkey. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so I, I, I really don't want my kid to be like that. I want my kid to know the whole process, the life, death, life cycle. And I want her to know if she needs something and the whole world has gone to shit and there's no grocery stores and there's no hospitals, I want her to know where she can go to get her food. I want her to know that she can, you know, sew up a leg or do any kind of medical care that that she needs to have done or to do to somebody else. So those are all really important skills and I think for anyone who's trying to be sovereign, I think that you have to you have to have those those skills online, you know. So the next area that I want to move into is um, shelter. And this will kind of go along with land ownership as well. So shelter for me, you know, my dream when I met my partner, he's always been all about sovereignty too. And whenever I met him, our dream was always to build a cob house and to live out off the grid and all this stuff. And um, he's a natural builder. And so that was very plausible that that could happen. But how it worked out, how we got to get onto land because it's really it is challenging to get onto land especially when you don't have any money and we didn't have a lot of money and so to get onto land we had to kind of jump at an opportunity that was presented to us and that opportunity was to buy an eight acre farm with a big huge old traditional farmhouse that's two stories tall was built in 1899 or 1900 or something like that and it's a beautiful house and it's way bigger than we would have ever built but it's lovely and the funny thing is is when I was a kid and I would dream about what kind of house I wanted to live in it was this kind of house this big farmhouse I always wanted to live in one of these but as I got older I really got into the cob thing and that's what I wanted and so we still talk about that we might still build that and also we might not be on this land forever who knows um but finding land that you can tend or live on and there are so many ways to do this there are you know obviously the traditional route of the bank loan there are um, caretaking positions that you can get on you know there's a website called caretakergazette.org that we used to look through and we never actually did any gigs through it but we had several friends who just lived on other people's land taking care of their land And we just never found quite the right situation for us. But there are so many opportunities through that avenue. And then there's, I hear all the time about people who just um, get land given to them because the person who lives there is elderly and they don't have anyone to pass the land on to. And so they just give it to them or they let them live there until they die and then the land is theirs. There are so many different ways if you just think outside of the box. Now this property that we're on, if you know anything about Ohio where we're at and trying to buy property here, if it goes on the market, it's gone the next day. Things just don't stay on the market. People buy it up, especially this year. Things are just getting bought up so quickly because people are moving off the East Coast over this way. And so, and plus there's a lot of Amish here. 
So if there's an old farmhouse, the Amish are on it, you know, and, and their their social network is far more amazing than any of the online social networks that we might have. So that's what we did. We put a word into some of the Amish kids who worked for us at the other farm that we were leasing. That's how we started farming. We leased land from a, another farmer that my partner knew. And we lived in a tent the first year and we lived in a, a travel trailer the second year. And then the third year we got our own farm. And so we just put a word out to the Amish that we wanted, um, we were looking for land and they, uh, I mean, it was not very long after, maybe a month or something, they had found this property. It wasn't on the market. The owner had just mentioned to them, they were doing some work here, and he had just mentioned to them that he uh, was thinking about selling, but it was kind of long in the future for him. He wasn't really thinking seriously about it. So we just drove up here, and we found it, and we walked up to the door, and we just asked him if he was interested in selling, and he was like, well, I'll consider it. And we went through this process with him for five months. And then like in the fifth month, he said, all right, I'm ready. I found the land that I want and I want to build a house on this other property. So y'all need to get it together. And so we had been going through this whole loan process with the USDA and it wasn't working. So um, in the last month, we just finally, we just went to a bank and we were like, we're just going to do it. And so we got a bank loan and, you know, we knew that this was a temporary thing. I'm going to turn my lamp on here. It's getting kind of dark. Um, so we knew that it was going to be a, a temporary thing that we were going to be here and just get this loan. And we just wanted to get what we wanted so that we could figure out the rest later. But we had to have a place to live at this point. We couldn't farm where we were farming anymore. We could not stand living um, in a travel trailer or a tent anymore with a child. We just couldn't do it. I mean, as much as I loved living in a tent and having my baby in a tent and all that stuff, we were just done with it. We were so done with it. And we found ourselves spending more and more time at my partner's um, family's house and not at the farm where we were living. And so we just had to, had to do it. And so we did what we had to do and we got in here. And getting on this land, what you re what we realized is is when we get on the land, then all of our money can be made from the land. So all we have to do is get the land piece involved, right? So there are a couple ways with the finances, um, how they can go is you can have a remote uh, location independent um, job. And we have part of that. So my herb business is kind of location independent. It's an online store. So I sell all over, but um, I only have to have access to land and that land could be anywhere because I make medicine wherever I'm at. So that's one part of it. And I do have a lot of supplies and stuff, so it's not really that great. But once the medicine's made, I can, you know, I can be on the road or whatever. But what we found when we got here is that there were so many opportunities to make money from this land. And we only grow one acre of produce and we would sell it to restaurants and through a CSA and at the markets and all that stuff. And so that was both our income from that. And then also we got to grow all these other dreams that we wanted to do of really homesteading and really living off the land. And so it, it created for us more um, freedom more sovereignty in how we were surviving, you know, because we weren't worrying about 
having to go buy food somewhere else because we're producing more of our own food and also where are we going to go to get more money because now the farm lease is done well now we have our own farm so we can do whatever we need to 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 um, make money if one year the produce is bad and we want to grow pumpkins and have a pumpkin patch and charge five dollars a head to go in it we can do that if we want to raise um, calves we can do that if we want to raise chickens and sell the chickens or sell the eggs we can do that if we want to do just our artwork and just sell that through online we can do that so there's just so many more options once you have the property and the place to live so that was really important for us and so now we're here and we we have that and um, so then the, the financial piece comes into place. So this is the part where it has been tricky for me because I come from a, uh, a poverty mindset, I guess you could say. I just always thought the only way I knew that you could make money was to work really hard for it. I didn't know that there was this whole thing of, well, that's not really true. And that trading time for money is kind of, you know, a thing of the past, but I didn't really, so I didn't really know what other options were. I didn't really know that you could just make money from an online business. I didn't know that you could just buy stuff up and resell it on eBay and never actually touch the product, just like link it on your website and make money. (laughs) You know, that's not something I want to do, so I don't do that. But there are a lot of ways that you can make money just online. And what our business has become is we started doing these markets and restaurants and all that stuff. Well, when 2020 came, our CSA doubled in size. And then the markets and the restaurants, the restaurants were gone immediately. And then the markets kind of went away. Um, And so we didn't have that avenue to sell money. But because our CSA doubled, that was enough. Well, then what started happening, you know, this great thing happens with the universe. When The universe, when you want something different, the universe has to clear space first. So you'll start to notice when change is about to come that all of these things will fall away. Things that aren't in alignment with who you are will fall away. And that's what happened this year for us. All these pieces of our business that weren't in alignment with what we wanted to be doing started falling away. And one of those things was just the hard labor work that we were doing of farming one acre by hand with no tractor and, um, you know, going to the market. It was extremely exhausting for me, especially to go to the market. It was just really taxing on me to be in the city. Um, I just don't do very well physically being in the city. It's hard on my body. And so the whole thing was just getting hard on us. And it's not sustainable. You know, you have to move to a tractor when you get older or you just break in your body down or some sort of equipment. You can't do all this by hand all the for the rest of your life, you know. So with farming in general, a lot of people kind of age out of it. And so here we are at this crossroads where now this new aspect of our business is coming on that is more distribution and it's this whole other big thing that I can't really talk about right now because it's just beginning, but it's a bigger piece. So it's um, it's half the work or double the money in half the time kind of thing. So that's where we're headed now. So figuring out the money thing I feel like is really the hardest part of this whole thing, you know foraging and doing your own medicine and food and the water thing is all really pretty easy because all that is is looking outside your door going to the woods and it's all free that's all pretty much free other than the energetic exchange it's financially it's free so that's the easy part then when you get you know get to trying to get the property and and you have to start having money that's the hard part but the thing is once you get the land then all you have to do is make enough money to keep it 
or make enough money to pay it off. And so, um, you know, there's so many ways to do that. I mean, from letting people camp on your property for cheap or building an, an outbuilding that can be a little cabin for somebody and then leasing that out and having them pay your mortgage for you, basically. Like, there's so many options when it comes to this this piece of it, of being of being financially sovereign. And so um, there are probably a lot more people who are uh, more eloquent in speaking about the finances, but that's just what I can say from my perspective of once you can get whatever you have to do to get the land, even if it's just renting land, but you know, you're going to be there for a long time, just get on the land and then, and then the, the money making opportunities will come. So you also have to figure out, do you want to be location independent or do you want to be making money in your community and, and making, you know, that, that whole wheel go round and round of supporting your community and then them supporting you. Um, we kind of have a little bit of both. We have most of my customers for my online business are from Ohio. All of our produce customers are in Ohio and will always be in Ohio. But I also have, because of the online store, other people from around the country buy things from me. And so there's a little bit of that too. And I just let that be what it's going to be and, and don't really worry about it. Um, but I, for me, I feel like that the best way forward when looking at framing your life in this the, the terms of sovereignty of like how you can be more sovereign is how close to the land you can get and how much you can diversify your income stream specifically but um how cl- the closer you get to the land I mean you're just going to be a saner person in general but the land is the spiritual teacher the land is the ultimate spiritual teacher so you learn all the lessons you need to learn from living on the land which I'll tell you this, my experience with getting back to the earth and living back on the land is the land has deprogrammed me from the programming that the living in the city has put into place for me. So I still catch myself thinking in terms of a city person and I'm like, well, that doesn't really apply out here. So why am I thinking that way? Because it's old programming. But every time those things show up, I have the opportunity to um, break down that programming and to reprogram myself. And that really has come through my relationship to the earth and seeing my er- the earth as my teacher. And, you know, I always just knew that that was the path to sovereignty. It was getting closer to earth. And I'll say for my own part, I would be pretty happy living in a shack in the woods with no job just living off the land and scraping together money when I needed to go buy flour or whatever you know in town um my partner I'm very (laughs) grateful that my partner has bigger bigger dreams than that and so I'm learning to enjoy the abundance of um of finances the abundance of the modern world and it's really a fun adventure but I already have this whole other piece of sovereignty and this connection to the earth and knowing that I don't need this stuff you know I don't need a fancy new robe or I don't need a a nice car or any of that stuff I don't need any of it but now I'm to the point where I can say well maybe it'd be fun to have that I don't need it but would I like to have it? Okay, then I can do that. And it's fine. And there's not that, you know, I used to have this whole thing where 
I just put so much guilt on myself about like wanting to have anything nice. Like nice clothes is a big one. That's one thing I want to have is I always want to wear nice clothes as in finely made clothes. Now I don't like fancy clothes. Most of my clothes are really simple, but I do want well-made clothes. And so I started thinking about like, what would I, what would I do when I got to the point where I would have more money? And I started thinking, well, I might want a buffalo robe, a buffalo skin robe, or I might want really finely made clothes, like a nice linen dress, like made out of Italian linen or something. And I would want to eat really good chocolate whenever I have chocolate. I want to have like a $6 chocolate bar, not the $3 bar of chocolate. You know, I just want to have better quality of what I already have. So there are so many ways that that we can... Um, be sovereign and still be of the world. You don't have to completely turn your back on the world. And that's one thing that was really hard for me in the beginning is I thought in order to truly be sovereign, I had to be primitive and live the way my ancestors lived, you know, a thousand, two thousand years ago, grinding all my own grain and foraging for all of my food and all this stuff. But that's not necessarily true. It's great. I love doing that stuff and I'm never going to stop doing it. I love cooking all my food at home. I'm never going to stop doing that. But I also so I'm probably not going to make all of my own clothes. That's just not realistic for me with the life that I live that I will make all of my own clothes. Maybe some of them, but not all of them. And I'm not really that good of a seamstress anyway. So my clothes always come out kind of a little bit lopsided. But if I could buy really nice clothes from somebody who handmade them and support that person in doing that. It's wonderful. That's sovereignty too because, you know, a rising tide lifts all ships. So if I think about where I invest my money... And is that supporting somebody else who has, um, you know, ethical business practices or somebody who I want to support what they're doing if they make a good quality body product and I want to buy that you know even though I make my own body products maybe they make something that's really great and I can make it but I don't want to grow that certain plant or it doesn't grow here and so maybe I'll buy it from them and that's okay so you just have to find the places that work for you you know these are the main areas that I feel like make a really well-rounded sovereign life okay so that's the the health care the medical care the body all of that stuff and then that's food water and shelter and then that is the finances and then I talk a lot about the spiritual sovereignty and so I won't talk about that for too long now but and I've kind of worked it in through this whole show the spiritual aspect of it but you know once we get to the point where we have a realization that we in, are innately sovereign beings, that when creator made us and we were brought into this world, that we were made in abundance and love and that all of this earth was put here for us to experience the joy that life can bring, that is total sovereignty because you're never going to let somebody else come in and govern you and tell you how you're supposed to be when you know innately, inherently in your body how you are supposed to feel. When you know that you're supposed to be joyous all the time, when you know that you're supposed to um, love living and not be like depressed all the time, then nobody can come in and tell you how you're supposed to be because you just won't believe them. And that's where I am. I do not believe other people when they tell me that this is how it's supposed to be. I don't, I don't buy it that everybody's supposed to just get up every morning and go to work and come home and watch TV and go to bed. I tried that life for a couple years 
It's awful. I would never want to do it. And I don't believe that that's how human beings are supposed to live. I believe that that's how people who have no idea what the hell they're doing on this planet are living. And I, I that's how they live because they don't know what they're doing. And so it's easy when you don't know what the point is. It's easy to it's easier to just go home and turn on the TV and you know, watch that and let it tell you how to be as opposed to figuring it out for yourself. And that's the huge, huge thing with sovereignty is, you know, you become your own master, you are self mastered, you become your own authority, you become your own boss, and you have to figure it out. And it is not easy. I mean, I have, there's no other way that I could be other than this. I literally was born this way. And all I've been doing is walking back to myself. And I don't know if everybody's born this way. I don't know if it's just, you know, some people are more programmed than others. I really don't know. I used to believe that we all had this capacity. I don't know so much anymore, honestly. But, you know, it's worth a try. And if you think that that's what you want to do, if you think you want to be more sovereign, then that is for you. That's your path, right? If you if it's coming to you, if you're watching this video then obvi- or listening to this podcast, then obviously it's for you because what you are seeking is also seeking you. So, you know, it's really just about being your own master. And I mean, that's all that sovereignty is self governance. And whether that's a country or a person, I'm I am at my own country. That's how I think of it. I am my own country. I am a sovereign, sovereign being I am self governing. I don't need anybody else to tell me how I should be or when I should be it. I'm not responsible for anybody else's health care. I'm not responsible for anybody else's happiness. I'm not responsible for anybody else's life. I have one life that I'm responsible and that's my own. And then within my family, there's a secondary responsibility as well. You know, I'm responsible for my child to a certain extent, but my family is also responsible for their own happiness, their own health, their own joy, all of that stuff. They're responsible for that. And that's what I'm training my daughter to do is if you want something, you got to say what you want and then you got to go get what you want. You can't expect somebody to read your mind. You got to take 100% responsibility. So even though she's only three years old, she knows how to take responsibility for herself. If she needs something and she's capable of getting it for herself, she gets it. And if she's not capable of doing it, then she asks me for help or her father for help. So, you know, this is the, this is the path. Like we can't just sit around and wait for somebody to feed us and to clothe us, especially as adults. Like this is ridiculous. You cannot expect somebody to feed you, clothe you, put all the money in your bank account, you know, and you just have to bump along you know, from nine to five every day typing on little keys or whatever. And, and then you just get this money is just put in your account and you're told on TV what to wear and what to eat and all this stuff. We can't do that anymore. That is the way of the past and that way is dying. So the way forward is 100% responsibility and the way forward is sovereignty, self-governance, figuring yourself out, all right? You have to master yourself. We got to we got to get with this new program, right? This is how it was always supposed to be and the time for playing games, you know, we're out of our teenage years as a society, as human beings, we're we have just left the teenage years. 2020 was the year of adulting. This was our rite of passage to say, you're an adult now. 100% responsibility is what you will take. And if you won't take it, your life is going to be really hard for you. So that's kind of what I feel like the that the universe was saying to us is 2020 adult. <laughs> so that pretty much sums up the show for tonight. And 
I um, hope that everybody is doing well out there. This is Monday, November 2nd that I'm recording this. So tomorrow's the election. Um, and I have stocked up on enough food to last me through the winter <laughs> of the dried goods that I need that I don't grow. And the stuff that I have to go to like a, a country store or something to get it to. I even went to the big grocery store to get luxury items um, like coconut aminos and stuff so that I wouldn't have to go there. Um, and But for the rest of the winter, all of our stuff, I'll just be shopping in our in our um, dried goods storage and then our, our neighbors will give us the meat that they raised for us and then we'll harvest some of our own meat here. And um, yeah, we're pretty much set. I That was my goal is I wanted to be prepared before the election so that I didn't have to go out into the world and deal with people in their madness or hopefully it's going to be completely peaceful and everybody will be fine, but I don't need to get involved. <laughs> you know, I'm perfectly happy just being here in my in my joyous little bubble in the country. So I hope that wherever you are, that you are inspired and that you are living in abundance and that you find joy in your heart every day. So have a good night. And until we meet again, Donadago Ai.